Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman, back in the country. We'll ask him if he's adjusted back to East Coast time. And of course, as always, our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, what's going on? How you doing? How's everybody feeling? Going all right. I um yeah, I just got back from LA a couple days ago. Yeah, I don't know if I, I got a weird sleep last night, so I don't know if I'm totally adjusted, but um you know, when when you're reading the newspapers and the headlines around Thanksgiving in America, the, like the one headline that you see every year, but I think now more than ever is what to talk about with your family during Thanksgiving meal uh Thanksgiving meal because mm. you know, right now there's like a political divide in that country that is very strong, very present. There's families that are being torn apart in some cases because they can't agree on politics. Uh and I was just thinking about uh, that idea, uh, you know, growing up, uh, did you guys have any things that were like, oh, don't bring that up around dad, that'll piss him off, or ooh, cousin Johnny's over, we're not going to talk about that, uh, or is there anything <laughs> now that like you that you like talking about with your in-laws, say, right? Because you guys have both had great relationships with your in-laws, and is there some stuff that you're like, oh, we don't talk about like that? Because I find it interesting that there's some families that are incredibly open with each other when it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I got fucking wasted last night. And it's like, and then I like had sex with this woman. Like people are like very oversharing. And then there's other families. <laughs> That'd be awkward with the in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, but woman, the woman wasn't your wife. The yet. marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's other families that are, you know, a lot more sort of, you know, conservative about like that sort of freewheeling conversation. So anyway, I, don't, I just want to throw that at you guys. It's like, do you have any memories of of the past of, of blow ups at the at the either Thanksgiving or Christmas table, or is there anything now that you're like looking forward to, or you you really not looking forward to? Maybe we we'll start with you, Shane. That's a lot to throw at you, but anything come to mind? I don't. I feel like my family is so uninformed that it's pretty easy to have a conversation where you don't ruffle any feathers. The problem is, <laughs> the, the problem is in recent years, the uninformed have gotten into a vaccine status and they, the, the Facebook news junkies have, have kind of emerged in my family. And my uncle has come out of this realizing that vaccines can cause autism and things like that, you know, stuff you see on Facebook. So he's he has good intentions, but he's trying to warn me against giving my children autism. And it's <laughs> mostly met just with an eye roll or like, oh, I, I don't think that's accurate. And and that sort of thing, rather than heated debates you see on like movies and television with family members. When you were growing up, was it like a lively conversation at the at the dinner table? Because I, sometimes I uh, really admire or I'm somewhat envious of families that can like yell at each other, but lovingly, like there, there's just so much enthusiasm. Like for instance, um, this is not exactly what I'm talking about, but uh, I was at the airport the other day and waiting for an Uber. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, can I use your phone? Uh, and I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I need to call somebody who's trying to pick me up. And I was like, okay, what's the number? So I call, call the number and the guy had, I think he came from Jamaica and he, his relative from Jamaica was uh, picking him up. And the tone in which they talked to each other was so intense that they were basically just screaming at each other on my phone. <laughs> it was on speaker. I'm like, I don't understand how you guys can understand each other. It's so loud right now. And then my Uber showed Do up. you hold the phone? I held the phone. So then the, the Uber, my Uber shows up. I'm like, I got to go, man. Sorry. So then I get into the call, get into the car. His, his like uncle is still on the line. I'm like, hey, man. And, and then the guy's tone came down immediately. He's like, hello. I'm like, yeah, I think you just need down to come to the Uber drop-off zone. It's like letter P is what you're looking for. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, thanks so much. I'll see you there. But I was like, oh my God, the way they talk. And you see that with Italian families, Portuguese families. You see this in lots of different cultures. So Mike, what was the, the tenor of the conversation around you know, the Christmas table or the Thanksgiving table, Easter table uh, in, in your family growing up? And what is it now? Yeah, no, gr gr like our family was, everybody's very, um, 
everybody wants to get jokes off. It was always jovial. Like it was always mm. good vibes. We certainly didn't have like divisive political conversations just because it, it more my uncle Dave would want to make fart jokes or like my dad would have some like turn of <laughs> phrase or my mom wanted to tell a joke or we would actually tell real jokes. You'd go around the table and some people had jokes. And ah. so like it was always just like lively and fun and funny uh, in sort of like a way where it almost like you think like everybody's like, it looks like a showbiz family. Like everybody wanted to have a bit or say something or do something funny or have a clever sort of word to, to chime in with, but not a lot of fighting that I can think of maybe later in the night after the drinks were flowing, you know, uh, voices would raise <laughs> a bit or my dad and his brothers would get into some sort of like, no, I was the better boxer growing up. And then it would turn into a joke <laughs> and shit like that. But no, never divisive as far as like topics of the day. Hey, um, Shane, it feels like the um, the Lamparskis are sort of more of like an open book, jovial family that kind of know each other's business and will talk about anything and everything. Like clearly with this family tree, you know, they're very used to Alex talking about a lot of subjects that I think many families would be somewhat uncomfortable talking about with each other. Not that they're bad topics. It's just like there's a level of conservatism I'd say maybe that exists in my family where I'm like, oh, I would not be having my sister, you know, it would just, it would just feel uncomfortable. Uh, what, what is the, the style of conversation around uh, the Lamparski uh, Christmas table? Yeah, my mother-in-law is pretty quiet. I'm pretty quiet and my brother-in-law is really quiet. But Alex and John, <laughs> they're kind of the same person. They're just big, lovable goofballs and they'll, they're very silly. Nothing gets really political. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I would say it's very light, and it's not necessarily fart jokes, but there are <laughs> jokes going around. Yeah, it's it's always fun, and there's nothing serious, nothing political, nothing controversial. I couldn't imagine ever getting in a heated debate over anything over the table. What about you, Maxie? What's your dynamic like, either with your immediate family or your extended family? Um, it's it's generally pretty agreeable. Um, we, my dad, started this tradition where instead of saying grace, he's he reads like a poem <laughs> um, about, and, and he'll do it. That's like a topical poem. So if if it's Thanksgiving, he'll he'll say something about the harvest, which is always funny because he's like he's never spent like a day What's on the a farm. style. Is it haiku? <laughs> is it more just like free form? <laughs> No, no. He he usually finds like a book, and there's like some some uh, some quote with some wisdom that he likes. Oh, it's not even an original poem. No, no, no. He's not writing his own poem. Oh. It's something that that he, oh, he less found. impressed now. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. And again, you know, we haven't had like one of these get togethers in a couple of years because of COVID. But um, we also have my parents have been really nice, actually, about inviting folks around the neighborhood and friends that don't have extended families. So it's funny. There's these these people that I've kind of come to know only like once a year for the last like decade where and I don't even really know how my parents know them, but I see them every year at Christmas or Thanksgiving and they come and hang out. and It's very nice. Uh, it's like one of my uncle's buddies shows up. He's like his running friend. And, you know, um, <laughs> one thing that's kind of funny is uh, I think I could talk about this. My uh, my uncle's girlfriend, she really mm. hates Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. um, and she's and I think she thinks that he's mishandled um, the pandemic and a bunch of other things so she usually gets that gets her fired up but for some like good old waspy Canadians that probably voted liberal like most of their life including my grandma and my, my mom like yeah I think that might be a, a slight source of friction <laughs> <laughs> Dude, will they engage her not really I don't think so right right <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's just being down in America. It's just like it feels like everything is so divisive, and you see, literally every article is like, "What to talk to your family about over Thanksgiving?" This family was torn apart because one voted Trump and the other voted whatever. So uh, yeah, I'm happy that we don't suffer that as much in in Canada. But um, but yeah, anyway, I'm back, baby. It's, it's nice to be back. Are you feeling uh, fully adjusted to uh, East Coast time now that you're back on the East Coast? Uh, my schedule's so like easy <laughs> that I don't have uh, I don't have to like suffer like through like oh the baby's up or like oh I have to go to my job at nine a.m. and I'm like you know it's like if I needed to sleep a couple extra hours like you know I'd be fine yeah. so yeah you don't have to cry for me no. um but anyway um guys I I was so curious because I was seeing photos on the on last weekend of your big video shoot for the for the show. And I texted Shane asking if we could talk about it a little bit because unlike our cows, when we're working on something, we like to be very 
quiet about it until it's time to officially release it because we, we have, we're very, you know, cl- cards are close to the chest in a lot of ways until it's like really ready to go. But Shane, you're a bit more of an open book and I love that about you. And so, yeah, tell us about the show. How's, how's it been going so far? I'm an open book in the sense I'll say, yes, I'm working on something. It's going well, but I would never send anyone an edit of anything. Oh, sure. And you were asking for edits already <laughs> and like bothering Myers. Mark Myers is directing it. And Myers is a person <laughs> who likes to share edits too early in my opinion. That's why I like working with him though. Yeah. That's why he's the best. <laughs> in comedy, in a music video, maybe that's good, but a lot of surprise in comedy, or sorry, a lot of comedy in comedy comes from the surprise of it. So it can really be ruined if you keep sending the same person updates on one joke and then it, you lose perspective on it. But as far as, yeah, talking about the shoot, it went amazing. We're lucky. I can't believe how well it went. I think it's not to be too cocky here, but I think it's going to be the best pilot ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and explain for our listeners who aren't fully aware, you know, it, this is a, a group effort with, with our friend Mike, our friend Jill, like our friend John Populous, Mark Myers is directing. It's it's a comedy sketch show. What else am I missing here? It's a comedy sketch show. I don't know what it's in the, the vein of. If you say kids in the hall, people would get an idea that it's less haha funny, more quirky, weird. And if you say I think you should leave, that's everyone's trying to do and I think you should leave S show. But I do think it has a unique element to it. Maybe it's could be considered similar to Portlandia, mainly just in the sense that the leads would be me and Jill, so like a male-female duo. But Jill is so unique in her her energy and her her voice is like really heard in this. Like she wrote a lot of the scripts, so I think she's more the vo- voice of the show than even me, and I'm just kind of curating her voice a little bit. Mm. Uh, was there any friction on set? Because I know, you know, it's a passion project. People are, uh, you know, very invested in seeing this through. This is not just like your normal nine to five. Uh, was anybody being difficult on set? Not to ruffle any feathers. I know you're in the middle of it. No, I think we got everyone in the right role. Like John Popolis, I'm not sure how well people on the pod know him, but he's like very boisterous and very energetic and his motor just won't stop. So you with him, you just got to tell him to slow down a little bit. With Myers, you got to tell him to hurry up a little bit. Mike will do anything he's told. You just got to give him a little deadline and then it'll get done and it'll be excellent. It's like, (laughs) and I feel like everyone like knows what their role is. So there's no crossing of the streams and it's very harmonious, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. That's lovely. Yeah, I don't know what my role is really, but I'm I'm trying to uh, do whatever I do. You're doing a bit of everything, including starring in it along with Jillian. Um but yeah, I think I think one of the reasons it is harmonious is because we've all worked together in different facets before. And I think that I think that if there's I think a, a huge skill that maybe some people don't have, especially in a creative endeavor like this, where you have a few different voices involved, is people sort of knowing their place or overstepping or not stepping enough and all that stuff. And I think that from the start, everybody sort of it, it kind of fits together like Lego in a way that has been very natural. I think. Would you say that that's fair, Shane? Yeah, I feel like all of my years of experience and friendships and favors have all led up to this project and it's the last chance to do something really great and stop calling it the last chance you can be like this is our last last go i'm like 45 years old max it's not like hey this kid's a prodigy let's let's give the like i do think it like it's in some ways you know well, like, how many chances do you get? Hey, Tim Robinson didn't get cooking in a mainstream kind of way. Yeah, and he's three years younger than me. How? how wait, he's, he's younger than you? No, I'm just joking. But okay. hyperbole is <laughs> a big part of comedy too, Max. An exaggeration. <laughs> if uh, I, I was actually thinking about this, like the idea of these like sort of windows for success, whether it's in sketch comedy or music or whatever that is. And this sort of like sentiment chain that you have like ah last chance which by the way from a marketing perspective worked for the jordan doc and that last championship you know that you know and jordan wasn't even what 35 at that point but that being said i was thinking about these windows for like whatever we consider opportunities and like what is success is it a, is it a show on a streaming service or a cable network whatever yes but i was like <laughs> yes the answer short answer is yes but shane let's say that this you missed this window it's not have you ever seen an old guy sketch show like, could there be another window in 15 years where it's like all sketches that like take place between old like people? I would love to try it and I'd like to think <laughs> so. But the, the success is just different when you're older. You know what yeah. I mean? It's 
I don't know. It doesn't hit the same. And if this was music and I was trying to put together like an acoustic album or something similar to Arkell's sound, Max would be so negative about it and just be making fun of me behind my back. But because it's comedy, I feel like Max can stay positive because there's no competition. But admit it, Max, if this was music, you would just think what I was doing was a ridiculous venture, right? I mean, if no, I mean, if you were a musician for the last 20 years and you were trying to put together some kind of like project with all your friends, if you were, let's say, my friend Aaron Goldstein, who has been, who I've known Mm -hmm. since I was 18, who's been doing this for 20 years. Then I'd be like, "Oh, awesome, great! How can I support?" But if, but if it was like, if, but if you're doing comedy, that's actually why I'm excited about it because you are a comedian. You're not a musician. That, I don't think that's a fair comp. Do you understand what I'm saying? Really? So if I if I had been doing music for the last 20 years and I'm like, this album's gonna break me. Here's my big shot. You wouldn't be making fun of me behind my back. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you would. <laughs> All right. But well, you know, it's actually another thing which is kind of nice about doing it right now. I was thinking about. You know, all the energy of you guys, whether Mike, Shane, like, and, you, and on the last episode, Shane, you talked about how, what a crazy person you were in your early 20s, how you partied a lot. You know, the early 20s is like an intense time. So it's, it's a fruitful time creatively because it's like there's so much energy, but it's also very emotional. And I think um, being a little bit older is probably great for everybody's working relationship because everybody's been on set together. Everybody probably has a better sense of how to talk to one another than maybe would have been the case when you guys were 22 doing this. So I think you actually have some major advantages over the chaos that is your early 20s, which can can produce amazing work, but also can be incredibly stressful um, and incredibly emotional. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I did the I worked with Mark on the documentary that he directed years ago. We would have like screaming matches on the on the phone. Like <laughs> yeah. I would be screaming at him and he just would be like, yep. Yeah. OK, well, I disagree with that. But I just because Mark is such an interesting personality to work with and everyone is an interesting personality that I didn't have the tools to deal with people who weren't in line with my thought process or or who work differently. And now I've just accepted that everyone is so weird and strange to work with. And it's like treat people the way they want to be treated. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. And I think that is a key thing to uh, remember when dealing with other people. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's exactly it. And something I've gotten way better at, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's maturity. That's that's evolving. That's great. Since we're talking about the show, are we able to talk about the theme song for the show? That uh, you know, or, or is that something we're going to keep off the oh, table? Yeah. Or is that something we should talk about now? Because I think yeah. that's an exciting Let's, thing for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. One thing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Max made an amazing theme song for the show, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about it right an now. An original, an original Max Kerman composition, Ooh. specifically made for this uh this project which is very exciting we're really hyping up everything here yeah (laughs) go ahead shane well that's exciting and that was a a big part when you're pitching something you you want to have something cool in your back pocket a little firepower to go into the pitch and to have canada's arguably biggest musician in your back (laughs) pocket who's about to play the great cup it's very powerful well, um, Shane, you sent some references along about like kind of the tone that you wanted on the song. And and by the way, I should say, it's not like Shane was bothering me. He wasn't like, you know, trying to get 15 minutes of my time. It was me bothering Shane, being like, Shane, let me write it. Let me like, this is like how I operate most of the time in every capacity, which is like, I want to be involved in stuff. And obviously you guys don't need any help when it comes to shooting or writing or any of the comedy stuff. Like you guys are experts in that. I was like, oh, I can maybe help with some music stuff. So I, I started bothering you, Shane, about it, I think. And then you finally were like, here's a song. Try to make it sound like that. And then I was like, okay. And then I think I got it back to you like in a day, right? Like it was, it was really quick, right? Yeah, well, you have an, a bit of an agenda on the thing you want to do. So you found out, I think, the Vampire Weekend guy was doing music for I Think You Should Leave. No, that was <laughs> before, like, I think. I think, I, think it was, I think it was before. I don't think, I think I learned that afterward. I, I've always just wanted to do it. I don't think it had anything to do with that. But it was a okay. an ace up my sleeve that that the Ezra from Vampire Weekend did do a song for I think you should leave. But I know I've always wanted to do more music in in that way. So uh, yeah. But it's very specific song that I sent you, and I think you really nailed it. Killed yeah. it. So whenever like it's this way different than our Kells. 
Yeah, whenever the whenever the show comes out, that'll be a tease. You, you you'll hear the song, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy that it was it was a great. But little... let's be clear: the show may never come out, and no one, <laughs> some people may never hear this. Yeah, you'll, you'll yeah you may never hear the song. <laughs> That's okay. I'm proclaiming right now, and I'm not one uh, for hyperbole in that way. I don't think I'm usually cautious, but I think that this is going to go. I this thing is it's really fucking cool. And uh, yeah, as led by Shane, it is uh, it is it's amazing, and I think that it's going to go. Love it. And if not, what are we going to do with this pilot, Shane? I don't know. I'm basically it's just to sleep at night. This is my last dance, Mike. So <laughs> I don't care if it works out or if it doesn't. I'm just buying peace of mind here with this pilot. That's that's it. That's all I need. That's a great way to put it. Uh, that like I feel like a lot of stuff, especially when you're doing these passion projects, is just like. Half of it is like you you know nobody gives a fuck, but it's just like I just for myself, I just need to be able to say that I did it, which which is uh yeah, I relate to that. And honestly, like I think like yeah. for any creative endeavor, and I, I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, they 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 either they make music themselves or they make other things or they have creative endeavors, or they have endeavors that they believe in. And the truth is sometimes you can look at every sort of somewhere in every city in America and Canada, there are people that are making music or making sketch shows or have a comedy troupe or or doing something that you might be into. And in some ways you can look at that and you can go, oh, that's kind of intimidating because if everybody's doing it, then what does it make what we're doing unique? But the other way to look at it and sort of the way that I've always sort of like looked at any creative endeavor, whether it's like this podcast or being in the band before, is in 10 years when I look back on the piece that I made, do I like it? Do I think it's cool where my motivation's pure? And and did I do it because I needed to do it and I thought it would be something that I would sort of respect about myself? And if all those things line up, then anything that comes after is almost like a bonus. You obviously want to be successful and all that stuff, but if you get the right group of people and the vibe is right and you're happy doing it, when you look back and you go, oh, yeah, that was fucking cool, then I think that it is always worth your time and effort and money. And I think that that's like, this is one of those projects easily. And I hope that that's like, not only that, like the people making it feel that way, but the people that end up seeing it, whether it's like a one-off thing or, or a show actually like can feel that come through. I agree. Well, I think we're going to timestamp this pod. And in five years after you're on your like sixth season on fucking, you know, HBO, uh, we'll all be, we'll all be laughing. It'll be, what a cute little conversation they had about expectations, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's get to some topics. All right, guys. Uh, that was I just did a rant. Was that rant weird? Should I cut that rant? That we, or should I? Just... No, I love the rant. No, don't about? cut was, the rant. That was the best part of it. It was a good rant. It was a motivational okay. rant, and I like. Okay, it. no, I love the rant. It needs to stay. The rant stays, guys. Rants are typically angry too. It was more like a positive speech, a pump up speech, inspirational. Yeah, it was my Phil Jackson uh, last dance speech. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to topics. I mean. Listen, this has been a good one. We're just we're just rolling here. We're like a half hour in. We've just been shooting the shit. Um, Max, you gave us topics in the pod group. But then right before mm-hmm. this thing today, you sent along like a bunch of other things. You sent along an article uh, about sort of uh, a wit in politics. Then you sent along a piece uh, about a hitman for hire <laughs> website, which was pretty funny as well. So we can either go crypto.com arena, which is this thing that's happening in L.A. It's replacing Staples Arena and the outrage of that. <laughs> Or we can uh, 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 do the Hitman. Shane, do you have a preference? Did you read about the Hitman? I'm curious about the Staples outrage. Okay, let's hit that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, anybody that uh, has paid attention to like something like you know uh, sports, like uh, the two uh, NBA basketball teams, the Lakers and the Clippers, both play at Staples. Every time you've watched like the Grammys or things like they take place at Staples Center, it's an iconic uh, arena in downtown Los Angeles. Um, they sold the naming rights uh, to Crypto.com. So it is now going to be, it's going from Staples Center to Crypto.com Arena. Now, we've been through this here in Toronto when they changed the Air Canada Center to Scotiabank Arena. N- naming changes happen constantly. Right here in our very own Hamilton, Ontario, Cops Coliseum was this sort of like beloved you know, thing that we've all had historically. It became First Ontario Place, I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. naming changes have become far more frequent and common as we've gotten older. We just sort of accept them. Kind of like ads on soccer jerseys. Like Europeans have been on this tip forever, but it's, it's sort of a foreign thing for us. And something like Staples Center, which is basically named after the like office supply store Staples, it almost becomes more that no one thinks about Staples now. It just became the name of the place that Kobe Bryant became legendary in where people, you know, iconic concerts have been uh, filmed in. So 
uh, the outrage seems to come from people like in LA who have basically just had this thing their whole lives and something that they have memories uh, associated with. They're upset. Also, the name is clunky as shit. Anything with .com in it to be named an arena, that's like, to me, that's problem number one. That's an issue. Just call it Crypto Arena. Crypto, crypto sounds cool though. Yeah, the Crypt. They're saying they're going to call it the Crypt or whatever. Yeah, 100%. It's way cooler. Okay, so so Ooh. you don't understand the outrage then, Shane. Let's go to you. No, I do because people dislike change. And for all the nostalgic reasons, people like, oh, when I was a boy and I went with my dad, it was called the Stable Center. But new memories are going to be created. But as far as just the name, if you really think about Red Hot Chili Peppers, that's not a cool name. But if they change their name, there would be probably outrage just because it'd be something new to get used to, even if the name was better. And I like the Crypto.com Arena. There's something that is catchy about it. And it's way more fun to say. Do you think this day and age that the idea of selling out or changing, like, like there's a price on everything. Do you think anybody actually is like, like, could this be a bad move for the brand of the arena in any way, shape or form? Or do you think people by and large now are like, oh, they got $500 million. Of course, they're going to change the name and we all move on. Like, is there any, is there any such thing as selling out anymore? Like as like a negative connotation or does everyone just realize that everything has a price and that's just business? I think there's two parts to this. I think, um, number one like I, I agree with Shane that you know people just don't like change. I think people uh, are people realize that when it comes to naming rights, like big business is big business, and uh, I, I think if it change, well, I think when it changed from Air Canada Scotiabank Arena, I don't think there's the same outrage. I think it being tied mm. to the idea of cryptocurrency in itself is the thing that people are annoyed with because I think that that is such a topic of conversation these days. Like it feels like every week I'm having another conversation with somebody about crypto, how I need to be into crypto. If you're not in crypto right now, you're a moron. You know, last week in the studio, the guy who runs the studio that he was giving us like these crypto tutorials and he was like, dude, I'm telling you, you got to get in. I, I bet you, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be buying a $5 million house in LA in three to five years. That's my prediction right now. Cause I got my money in crypto, but it's like, you got to get in. It's the first inning. I'm telling you, this is the first inning of crypto. And he got everybody in the band so fired up. We literally talked about it for like three hours while we were supposed to be doing fucking music. It's just this guy, Pete, Pete Min, just being like, I'm telling you guys, get into crypto, get into crypto. And then you see all the people that are just rolling their eyes at crypto. There's a great, uh, tweet from Paul Tompkins, you know, the comedian? Yeah. <clears throat> Is he a comedian? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He goes, does everybody, does everyone who's into crypto not know that we already have a fake money scheme called money? <laughs> um, <laughs> which is great. And, um, and, then I, and then I ended up uh, emailing my, my accountant uh, and my like, business manager guy. And so I was just like, fellas, apologize, uh, apologize for this annoying email. As you know, I don't care about this stuff, but as a responsible adult, I should ask, should I put my money in crypto? What are we doing about all that nonsense? And then the guy gets back to me, Ray. He goes, well, easier to discuss via phone, but crypto is a wonderful speculation vehicle with no real or true value and no central bank or government to support it. And there's unlimited amount of crypto with more than 4,000 quote currencies to choose from an environmental, environmental disaster due to a high cost and resource uh, used to mine the currency. So treat it like gambling, put in what you don't care to lose. And if you don't mind the environmental side, digital wallets will be challenging as well. Anyway, so then, in the, so I emailed them, I'm getting that response back as Pete Min is going on and on and on about how important crypto is. So I just think that crypto is a very divisive thing. I think if they named it something like the pet store or whatever, like pets.com or what's another brand that has a .com? I don't know. I don't think people would be as pissed off about it, but crypto just reminds you of banker bros that are kind of fucking assholes. And that's why I think people are slightly more crypto so mysterious, though, like even that email, it might as well have been in another language. Like I didn't understand anything <laughs> that guy was saying. Like, was that helpful to you, that information you could decipher what that meant? Yeah, my yeah. thing with money and, and, and money management. Oh, I don't understand. You that. didn't understand it. Um, I don't understand things in general. <laughs> <laughs> comedy. He knows comedy. That's the oh, name of the by the way, I don't understand things in general. <laughs> just as he just as he said, I don't understand things now. He his Zoom cut out and it made me the host. So we have lost Shane, and I may oh, have no. to let him back into his own Zoom. Oh, he's back oh, in. Shane okay. is the host now. Okay, good. he's now back to being the host. How does that work? How did you get second command as host? Great you know question. I mean? It just went to me. I don't know. Maybe because yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is this some hierarchy that Shane doesn't trust me as a host? Do you have to anoint this the host in the event that you fall off the phone call? <laughs> this is funny. 
Hey. I love... Yeah, I, I, I feel like you tease Shane about his hyper-competitiveness, Max, but you yeah, I just have it. all of the same elements. Oh, no, but behind closed doors, you're a fucking killer. That's the thing. You you are just <laughs> as competitive and just as insane when it comes to any of those like those little tiny things. You you have all the same sort of elements in your personality. I was joking about that. I'm oh, I not as... I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you say? What happened? I missed oh, it. When you dropped off the phone call, um, Mike became the host. And I was like, why did Mike become the host and I didn't become the host? Did Shane anoint (laughs) Mike as the host? And by Uh, the way, I don't like the responsibility of any of this shit, to be honest. Uh, You know, back to the the, the conversation about crypto and, and, you know, where to put the money. Like, as Pete was telling us about this stuff, I was like, yo, Pete, this sounds amazing. Can I just give you some money and you do it? He's like, no, no, you just do it. I'll like just sign up for your own app. You can just do it. I'm like, Pete, I don't want to do it. You do it. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, Pete, just do it. So the same thing with my financial advisor. Like, right, just don't fucking tell me where it's going. Just be a bank guy, put it in, be smart, and report back to me, I don't know, in three years. Let me know how it's going. So, um, yeah, I don't actually like their responsibility. Anybody listening in the crypto game, Max has just announced that he has money, doesn't care where it goes, he's willing to give it to you if you invest it in crypto. He just doesn't want to hear about it until it's it's cooking, doing good. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm afraid, yeah, I think I've talked about this in the podcast. I'm afraid to look at my bank account, right? I told you that. Right, you have. Like I, how how yeah. often do you look at it? Do you look at it? Have you looked at it? I, I couldn't tell you the last time I looked at my bank account. Dang, dude. And and then so like you just, your bills are on autopilot. You just. Yeah. I just tell my accountants, just like if I'm ever in trouble, just give me a heads up. And after that, that's all I want to know. I think the greatest thing about this pod is how relatable sometimes Max uh, is to the common <laughs> listener. It's, you know, a real man of the people. <laughs> no, no, no. But when he, you get a hydro bill, how do you pay it? I think it's automatic, uh, you know, uh, automatic payment. Right. Okay. (laughs) You can do that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have that system in my household. All right. All right. Okay. So, but back to the, uh, the naming rights here of the, uh, of the arena, uh, Max, you think that it's, it's specific to crypto.com. Like you said, if it was any other sort of business, people wouldn't be as outraged. Maybe it's also a sign of like, cause there does seem to be this, I don't know if it's like a divide or like what it is, but you do see a bit of this on Twitter where it's like, there's people that believe crypto is the future and that it's this amazing investment like you alluded to. But there are people that are like, eh, I don't know this, them having the money crypto.com to actually buy the naming rights to an iconic sort of arena in Los Angeles, uh, uh, is, is a signifier of their growing power and prominence. The fact that they have all the, this money to even just buy naming rights, in some ways it sort of validates crypto's uh, mm. sort of place amongst currency, which maybe also makes people weird. But out. sometimes the most frugal people are the cheapest, you know? Like I, when I used to wait, sell wait, wait. phones. Wait, 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 same thing. <laughs> wait, <laughs> sometimes the most frugal people are the cheapest. Yeah, those are- Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Some Erica. No, we're leaving that. We're leaving that for sure. We're leaving it in. Fine. Whatever you want to do, do it, Erica. But the people with the most money sometimes are the most frugal yeah. or the cheapest. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I, hate those, I hate those people. Like when I, I hate used to, those people so much. Oh yeah, when I used to sell phones, sometimes my dad he was a limo driver, so he would try to get the wealthy people to buy the cell phone off me, but they would never get the insurance for it. They would never get the chargers or the cases for the phones and I would make no commission on it. So with crypto could be overcompensating for something that they don't necessarily have, but they want to front (laughs) like they do because the perception that they have a lot might get them a lot more people interested in because of the theory that Mike is saying that it's a good look. Yeah. You know, it's uh, this, this thing that you just said, which is something that we've talked about for years is that, you know, Mm -hmm. we know people like uh, across the spectrum of sort of, uh, uh, what they make uh, their income could be so like i you know we've mm-hmm. dined with people who make an ungodly amount of money we've dined with people who don't uh and it is so interesting to see that how that plays out how that manifests when it comes to picking up a bill or like you said buying extras or being like oh i don't give a shit it's just like whatever go nuts if it, pay whatever do you guys think because the theory is always well the reason that they have money is because they're frugal and they don't they don't no dime goes unsort of accounted for but I would think that it's like 
is living like that fun? Like, do you get to a point where you make so much money where it's actually cool to to release the burden of counting every cent? And it's kind of nice just to fucking like, oh, I'll, I'll pick this one up. I don't give a shit. I'm not even going to look at the bill. Like, how come they don't let go of it? Is that personality type the thing that gets them where they are? I think it's a personality type and I think it probably ranges. I think there's probably some really like, feel good millionaires that if they made $60,000 a year, they'd be feel good $60,000 a year people. You know what I mean? And then there's some people yeah. that um, even if they made 2 billion or if they made 80,000, they'd still be cheap bastards. Like no matter what, I think it's sort of like in you and I'm sure you evolve to a degree, but I think old habits die hard and your disposition for like, there's some people that I know that really, despite any of their good fortune are always worried about getting fucked over. And it's just like, Yo, you have mm-hmm. such an incredible life, like objectively speaking. And and I put like, you know, anybody who lives in Canada is in the top, what, probably 5% of wealth in the world or something like that. Like, you know, and people that are much even better off than that, you still feel like somebody's trying to fuck them. And I think that is no, no matter how much money you have, you're, you're going to harbor those resentments. Yeah. What, growing up, there was a friend of mine and he was like, you know, his parents were doing very, very well, and his house was the hangout spot for all the high school people to hang out, play video games, etc. And one day, the father uh, found out that a toonie went missing from the house. <laughs> so he got all all of the suspects, which were the friends together, and there was like a three-hour interrogation to find the toonie. And this person was doing like very, very well. So that what became this legendary story of how like tight his change purse. Did, you, did we find out who stole the toonie or where it was to this day we do not who know the suspects? but the joke and the legend of it lives on <laughs> and i actually emceed this person's wedding and i told the toonie oh, no. story and people were crying in the audience because <laughs> laughing so hard because everyone knows the mythical proportions that this story has taken do you have on. any suspects but it, it went do, over do, do, could you guess who it everyone's a suspect <laughs> yeah it could have been anyone because sometimes you would find like change laying around and you would just think oh i'm just gonna like you know buy some petty candy or whatever at the store but yeah it became a big issue who do you I, I, out of the three of us i feel like we're i i don't like in our group, we know who they're on the cheaper end of the spectrum, people that are real tight uh, in our in our group. But out of the three of us, I feel like we're all pretty like I don't think we harbor a lot of those those elements. Would you guys say? I don't know. I'm... Hmm. I would think Max in some ways is the most generous, but I would also say he's probably out of the three of us the cheapest with money. Oh, interesting. What does that mean? Explain that. Well, you get a lot of free things coming your way because you're such a celebrity and a great musician and things. So you'll be very generous with the things that come to you very fast and fancy and free. Like, I don't know, like if you got share club or access to anything, you would invite all of your friends to come and be a part of it and you wouldn't exclude anyone. Or if you got a private jet to go to SNL and play that, you would invite everyone, you know, but I feel like with money out of the three of us, <laughs> you would be the potentially the cheapest. And I don't mean that as an insulting um, thing. Is that, well, is that material goods or does that mean like picking up bills at the bar? Because I feel like I'm pretty good about being a generous friend when it comes like, I got this. I don't, I don't think there's ever a debate with like who's picking up what at the bar. Unless you feel differently, Shane. He's rubbing his face right now as if he's trying to think of a good... No, I I wish I had specific examples. Yeah, I don't because I realize it comes across. I just feel as though you're more cautious of it than than maybe Mike Rye or something. I don't know. Which part... Well, I mean, I don't, like, I don't really give a shit about material things. So that's true. So me spending on like something that's extravagant, that's a material item... I'm always like, I think that's fucking stupid. I wouldn't do that. Like a nice car, super nice jacket. I don't know. I'm not really interested in that. But uh, I hope I'm not uh, the guy at the bar who's who's not pay- paying his fair share. Yeah, maybe I mean it's more in that way. That's what I mean. <laughs> right, Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a theory. It could be wrong. Now everyone's hurt. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> Throwing it over to Mike. Uh, no, I, I, I think sometimes uh, I would say, like, I have. Listen, I have had dinner with you two, dinner and drinks with you two multiple times. You have? What's Bono like? <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. I'll buy it. I like it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The. 
And I would say there's never a point where I feel like I'm going to get a weird text where it's like, hey, could you send me one third of that bill, bro? Or or that like when the bill comes, it's just it, it goes around. I don't know. Like I never I never think twice about that. And th- that goes for like Max too. like Max. Will be like, oh, let's just pick it up and we'll figure it yeah. out or whatever. Like I don't. Do people assume that you're going to pay often, Max, when the bill comes? Does everyone hesitate a little bit and look at you to see what you're going to do, knowing that you are playing massive stadiums um, and arenas? No, I mean... Um, no, it's a real question. I think, no, no, no. I And all my friends, I, I'd say like almost all my friends have like are, are having a, a great life and, and make decent money. I do think there's the occasional... I have some friends... Uh, I have one friend, for instance, who actually works an important job, not like my job, not like your job. Like his job is like helping drug addicts, you know, find help in Vancouver's east side. And he like makes like, you know, a social worker's wage. So if I'm hanging out with him, I'm like, yeah, I got the bill. Like, obviously, it's like I'm, I make more money. But you, the work that you do is so much more important by a thousand than what I do. And so in those instances... Maybe there's an acknowledgement that I'd pick it up, but I'm happy to, and that's that's the way it should be. So I don't know, but everybody else, everybody else is doing all right. See, I think I owe you an apology, Max, because when when a bill does come and we're at a bar, and let's say for it's a lot of shots, and usually you're like talking to the bartender, I assume that it, everything is comped. <laughs> So sometimes I hesitate and look at you and you're like, I got this. But I think you're saying I got this like, oh, I got it worked out with the bar person. They love me and it's free because I'm Max. So maybe you are the most generous. I could no, have but, had this but, totally but Actually, wrong. you know what? That's actually really an interesting point because um, the nut who is very generous. I want to I want to say this first. The nut it could not be more generous as a friend. And like, you know, he lets me use his gym if I need to use his apartment. Friend. Like he's just he, he is very much like. Literally take the shirt off my back. I don't care. He's very not precious about things. He'll sometimes he'll come, we'll go to a bar and he'll like order like shots for everybody there. And then you're like, oh, this is, you know, very nice. And but he's getting it all comped anyway. And then the next bill comes around and it's like, oh, I guess it's my turn to do it, but I'm not getting it comped and it's a $300 bill. So it's like, is are those equal? Like, and and often <laughs> yeah, it's he's picking, not always equitable. So so it's like, like how do you put that in? Because like you're at the end of the day, you're all delivering the same goods, but one person is getting it for free, the other person's not. And by the way, the the, the nut is is it picks up massive, massive, massive <laughs> bills all the time. I just want to say that more than anybody, more than anybody in our friend group, I think by a long shot. But there is the odd. That is a funny thing when it's like when somebody gets around that's for free. And I'm usually that person. And then I'm like, all right, guys, got it. Because the bartender likes me. And then like, Mikey V, your turn. But then like, you don't know the bartender. And you're like, okay, there's $90. Here you go. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's just costing Mikey V. I did that after the Raps won the championship. (laughs) I remember we all were at, I can't remember what bar near the, the Scotiabank Arena. And I ordered like people, there was just like a group of us. And I was literally like, I'm getting a drink for everybody here. But there were like 20 people or something like that. And I was just so happy to get it but to your point that's just you just wake up the next day and you look at your credit card bill and you go oh yeah right i did that i forgot i did that oh that 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 but yeah. but uh, listen money well spent celebrating the rap champ okay last thing on this topic um so i read a thing i think we might have talked about this on the pod before but um the other day jeff bezos gave a hundred million dollars to the obama foundation obama obama foundation and um he wanted to name like a pavilion in the obama center in Chicago, not the Jeff Bezos Pavilion, but the John um, Lewis found uh, Pavilion. And John Lewis is obviously a famous civil rights leader who just passed away, uh, very important African American politician. And and I was like, I was like, oh, that's good that Bezos did the thing where he didn't insist on calling it the Jeff Bezos Pavilion. He was like, no, I'm gonna pass pass it along to somebody else who's deserving of recognition, deserving of a place being named after him. I personally would love, and I know this is not the point of big commerce. I know like the reason why crypto.com, you know, forked over $700 million is so they could have that advertising. I would love it if they named it after community leaders who made a difference or maybe somebody who's just like important in their life. Like, you know, like, you know, Mike, you can name an arena after Nona, right? Or like, or, you know, or some, or a family member that you think is awesome or a teacher. 
is this, am I stupid for thinking this? Who would you guys name an arena after if you had vast sums of money, but you're like, I'm not going to name it the Mike Veerman Center. I'm going to name it the, the Winnie Pavilion or my favorite high school teacher or the Chris Farley, you know, arena or something like that. What, what, what would you guys do? That's a tough question. Yeah. Well, it's a funny, it's funny. The idea that you said Chris Farley, like it'd be really funny to become super successful and then buy something and call it like my, like the John Lennon pavilion. John Lennon's estate can buy his own pavilion. So it'd be really funny for me to name it after somebody who could in theory do that themselves. But Chris Farley probably couldn't or and Norm McDonald's uh, okay. family couldn't. Right. So like, so I, obviously John Lennon's one example, but like the Norm McDonald you know, stadium yeah. is fucking amazing. It, I, I think that'd be so funny. It's a great. cool, it's a cool idea. If you're asking me personally, if I was worth a billion dollars, I'd done something. I was like Elon Musk or one of these guys, Bezos, where I, some endeavor made me a billionaire and I were to buy some sort of like nice center. Yeah, I'd, I'd name it after my mom because then my mom would get to live forever on like a mm, building. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. I would do that. That's what I'd do. I don't know if I know your mom's name, Mike. Elaine. Elaine. Yeah. Fuck. That's so Elaine. funny. I've, I must have known that at some point. Okay, cool. Elaine Veerman? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Elaine Veerman Center. Uh, Shane? It's tough. Yeah. Parents is a good one. But then I'm worried the other parent wouldn't be honored. <laughs> so that's that's tricky. Like you can end up in the doghouse there. Um, okay, so um, let me think here. What would I do? Kids is always a safe bet. Okay. Yeah. So I would go with my daughter's okay. name. But you got to pick one. Oh. Or why can't it be Lou and Betty? Yeah. Lou and oh, Lou, Lou and Betty's. And, yeah, Lou yeah, and Betty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The Lou and Betty Center. It's because it, it, there's something catchy. Lou and about Betty's it. Yeah, place. That's good. That that would be cool. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, maybe they'd call it like the Lewin Betts, and it just sounds like a something else. It's I could imagine that being a stadium yeah, name. Yeah, Lewin Betts Arena, uh, the Lewin Betts Center. Yeah. Maxi, who, who's getting your name? Who are you naming oh. your, your center after? Mm, I'd probably name it after, uh, I mean, my, my folks would be nice, but I take it out of the family for a second. Uh, Peter Rosenthal, uh, who is a family friend who is uh, you know, a social justice uh, leader in Toronto for 40 years. He's just, just an awesome guy. And I like that. You've done those spoken word pieces oh, on that's the right. podcast. Oh, that's right. So a, yeah, a story I like, uh, which, which is yeah, Peter Rosenthal. Thank, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. Um, I'd probably name it after him or somebody like him because there's something kind of, I think, awesome about when you read a plaque uh, in like a city center we were like this is to commemorate so-and-so who made this positive difference in in their community i like i love that so if you're going to a place that's like for entertainment but you're kind of reminded that it's like named after this like really righteous person i think that is a cool thing to do so like who's the yeah that, that's me and if i were to just go silly like you know the nathan fielder pavilion just just to fuck with them that'd be kind of funny <laughs> do you know mm -hmm. that, yeah kind of no, that'd be cool. Um, do you think that there is a business that no amount of money uh, could buy them naming rights? Like, do you think like Pornhub Arena could ever exist? Like if they had a hundred million dollars? <laughs> you know? Well, hey, listen, weed uh, up until 10 years ago was very faux pas. And now, and like our, our my parents would have like, you know, shook their, shook their heads at anything weed related. And now they kind of don't even glance at it twice when we walk by all the weed shops. So now it seems ridiculous. But I don't know where the culture will be in 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just going to see the Raptors. I'll meet you at Pornhub Arena. At the, <laughs> at, at the hub. They call it the hub. The hub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, guys, should we move on to uh, Shane's surprise? Yeah. Or do you want to do another topic? How's everyone doing for time here? Yeah, let's do another topic. This today hasn't been the best for me. As Shane surprised, it's been a good pod, but uh, uh, and yeah, also I'm just warning you, I'm at like four percent on my phone. So if it dies, Mike, you're gonna take over as host and continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this episode will end when Shane disappears. That's good. Okay. Okay. So okay. oh, it puts like be a the surprise. Ooh, yeah, that kind of puts like uh, there's a little bit of tension here. I will say for our listeners, you know, this this pod could have had really funky energy. You know, Max was a little bit uh, out of sorts from the trip. He said he was a little tired. Shane was having some trouble at the passport off because he's going on a trip so i feel like we started oh, i'm unbelievably pissed right now yes but you're <laughs> i didn't know that. i don't think our listeners were going to pick up on that i, I was saying you guys oh okay. you guys have pushed through it i think in an admirable way for for guys that came in with weird energy mm -hmm. i feel like we're getting there um okay so for our last topic in lieu of a shane surprise we will discuss uh do you want to do the hitman or do you want to do the, this vaccine this this children's vaccine caricature with pokeroo Either work for me, Shane, you call it. 
I think children vax is better. We already did a website cool. thing. All right. So uh, in order to sort of uh, put children at ease, so they now in Ontario, uh, we are vaxing children. I, I don't remember what the actual ages are. Maybe it's five to 12. They've opened it up. Anyway, uh, at this uh, place in Toronto, I guess, to put children at ease or to encourage them to come in and do their vaccines, they brought in Pokeroo. And for anyone that uh, doesn't... Um, that didn't grow up in Ontario uh, that listens to this podcast, there was a show called Polka Dot Door that ran from the late 70s to, I think, 2000. And the gag was always that this this character, Pokeroo, this weird sort of creature, would come in at the end, but the other hosts of the show would always miss Pokeroo. Anyway, if you're of a certain age, Pokeroo has some nostalgic value because we all grew up watching Polka Dot Door. But one of the things that was pointed out was that None of the kids that are getting vaccines today know who the fuck Pokeroo is. Like, it's almost for the parents to be there. So the question is, one, I guess if you were a child or I guess now, what would put you at ease if you were trying to get the vaccine? Or what do you think would be best for children nowadays in lieu of Pokeroo? Mm-hmm. Is, is that the, the idea, Max? Yeah, because I was just thinking you guys have kids and they're a little younger yep. than the vaccine age. But uh, I'm, my sister's six and 11 year old got vaccinated yesterday. They were so excited. Well, at least my sister's really excited and they happily did it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to know, like just thinking about getting people comfortable. I know they've had these drives, especially like in America where they try to turn it into a party. It's like get two free beers with a vaccine. And there's obviously huge issues with vaccine hesitancy. It, this has become a pandemic of the vaccine, the unvaccinated. So yeah, I just wanted to get a little brainstorm together. Uh, Shane, you have a good feel for children. You run a family blog with your wife. What do you think would be like the best thing to not only get kids uh, excited to get vaccinated, but hesitant parents to get vaccinated too. Like what, what would be the ultimate party that's maybe not including Pokeroo? <laughs> okay, just to get the ball mm-hmm. rolling, I feel like Santa could be a good idea. So maybe you go to sit on his lap. <laughs> There's a little needle there. <laughs> the needle's on. So you the don't lap. even feel it. You don't know it. You're just like, oh. He's like, oh. oh. You know that you traumatize the work. kids for the rest of their life that Santa represents. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. And I think that's a big part of it. Is is those pricks? It's all built up in your mind. The uh, getting the needle, and I think it doesn't hurt. So if you can, that's why Pokeroo's not bad because he's sneaky. But <laughs> people don't. <laughs> People don't know Pokeroo, so he's he's not going to be able to lure people to him or her. I don't know what he uh, identifies or she identifies that. But Santa, I feel like you you're naturally supposed to sit down. You could sit down on the needle, get the prick, not even notice it, and then move on. But it, the thing is, a lot of some people might not celebrate Christmas, so you'd have to find an, another equivalent for like all children. So that's why it's probably not the best idea. And the only reason. And the adult version of that would be like something like, because you need adults to be sitting, right? Because they can't be like moving about while they're Mm -hmm. getting vaccinated. So something like a Comic Con, where it's just like, what, you know, what would a bunch of people show up to listen to somebody speak in a very sort of, you know, uh, calm manner? So it's just like, you know, let's say The Rock was like, okay, The Rock is going to show up in a convention center. Everybody is seated. You know, there's space between each You chairs. think people are going to be calm when The Rock shows up? <laughs> can you smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> yes, I can. Where's my vaccine? <laughs> like, those people are going to be going wild. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> the Rock. There's like errant needles flying up in the air. And yeah, every, yeah. Like every time the nurse is about to jab somebody, he says something that pumps them up and people's arms flail up. <laughs> yeah. Metallica's next. Like who? <laughs> Mosh pit. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. See you next time.